This episode of Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen is not intended as a substitute for seeing your own mental health provider. We are here to initiate conversations about sex. Let's keep the conversations going. You can find us on Twitter at TalkingSexPod or email us at TalkingSexPodcast at gmail.com. We also want to give special thanks to Nathan Diffie for our podcast cover art and our wonderful editor, Julia W.D. Harrison. Lynn Ponton and I, Jennifer Wong, are the executive producers. I'm Lynn Ponton of Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen, inviting you to listen to a podcast, Unmask, two therapists talking about psychological issues during the time of COVID. Please join us on in-depth conversations about COVID issues during this very challenging time. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, uh, this is Lynn of Lynn and Jen, and uh, we're still in the uh, COVID epidemic, uh, but we're introducing our podcast, Unmask, as part of our series, Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen. And it's uh, really a pleasure to be here today, though we got a tough topic to talk about, Jen. Yeah, it's definitely a tough topic and one that's been affecting my life in a very personal way lately. So I'm excited to talk about it with you, Lynn. Today, we're going to begin really with talking about uh, the burnout and acute trauma. And we kind of think, Jen and I think this is pretty much the same thing that almost everyone is experiencing at this point in our epidemic. And we're really about 16 months into it now. Um, Many, many people have uh, the acute phase of post-traumatic stress disorder that they're struggling with. And this is affecting all parts of our life. For me personally, uh, I'm kind of overwhelmed with work. I don't want to take on new clients, hard to admit. I don't even want to turn down new clients. So I'm having struggles with some of the people I work with around that. And it's not an easy time right now. And I'm feeling a bit overburdened really in many different ways. Yeah, I mean, I I think that is a big part of experiencing burnout as a therapist during this pandemic is that, you know, as I'm trying to do the things to take care of myself, it also has me thinking about a sense of responsibility towards taking care of my clients and my practice. And I think before none of this felt overwhelming. Whereas this year, having to manage all these things simultaneously started to feel really overwhelming. And for me, that was my first sign that I was feeling burnt out. I think a lot of us assume this overwhelming sense to just be kind of something that will go away. And so we don't address it early on. And one of the things that I did for myself as a therapist was being able to recognize it as one of the early warning signs of burnout is this sense of overwhelm that doesn't go away on its own. And it really affects our our whole lives, Jen, you know, the way I see it. And, And it, you know, one of the big things that's going on with it, a lot of the people calling me that I don't want to take on working with at this moment are in the middle of this process too. Yeah. So I hear that they are overwhelmed, they're overburdened, 
and just interacting with another person who's going through that when so many in our lives are going through it around us is difficult. And it doesn't make me proud to admit this, that I'm turning down people and I'm, you know, I don't even want to deal with it. But like you, I recognize that this is the point that says I'm overwhelmed with really what's going on and I've got to do something to help myself at this point in the work and help those around me. I think what you bring up also is a great point, which is that even turning people down requires energy when you are such a naturally caring person. And so it ends up kind of being taxing either way because either you feel like you have to say yes or you feel like you have to say no and both require a lot of energy. And I I think one of our colleagues that we were talking to earlier was talking about how it's similar to a situation where when you're feeling really depressed, you may know what you need to do. You know, it's helpful to go take a walk, go exercise, do all these things. But the question is like, where do you get this energy from? Because it's not that you're unaware that you should do these things. It's just that it's it's very hard to even imagine how you're going to make yourself do them. And I think that's very similar to this burnout feeling of knowing that setting this limit is self-care and important and going to help you. But the idea of getting yourself to the place where you can set that limit itself takes up a lot of energy. What I see with the people around me, both those calling and also my clients and my family friends, is that they're all having trouble with this. They're all in some phase of this where they can't set limits for themselves. And they're even struggling with how do I set a limit? So I think what we're really trying to help our listeners with is what what do people do at this point in time when they're overwhelmed and it seems like there's nothing that, that can be done to really alter the system. During this past week, I think the one thing that really worked for me uh, on one particular day, I was overwhelmed with clients. I was overwhelmed with everything. And then I had an interaction with uh, my grandson and he was highly energetic. He's not in burnout. He's, he's living through COVID, but he doesn't know it really. And uh, he had that energy that I kind of miss in myself. And I think perhaps just kind of, (laughs) I hate to say I kind of appendaged on to him and drew out his energy, but that's what happened. And, um, you know, I think we've all got to look for those places in our life where we can get the energy to really rework this thing in our life right now. Yeah, I think I think what you bring up is such a great point too, which is that, you know, being able to find these other sources is really helpful because it gives you the boost to get yourself to the next step. Like one of the things I've been talking about with my clients after realizing it for myself is sort of the impact that just seeing that things can change gives to us. So I think when we're in this really worn out phase, your your mind also almost feels like it's constricting. And so your ability to think about other possibilities is limited. And so even to somebody who isn't burnt out, they can see all these possibilities, you're not able to see them for yourself. And I think this is something that as therapists, it's a role we usually play for our clients, right? And And so I think 
recognizing that this dynamic is similar and being able to remind ourselves that you don't have to kind of figure everything out. You can really focus on just what is that next step? What is that step that reminds me that things can change? And reminding yourself that like once once you experience that, more things do open up for you that maybe you cannot really envision for yourself in that very moment. For me, uh, Jen, it's exactly the way you're describing it. You know, Jamie's voice, his energy, his light was the change point that really helped me to have that pivotal point that would help me change in a way that made the rest of the week work, you know, for me. I do think it benefit our listeners to know what some of these problems are that everybody's really facing, you know, this acute trauma You talk about one is really inability to concentrate or focus on things with burnout and with acute trauma, inability to focus and concentrate to figure out the the grandson in your life that's going to help is there. So I think knowing that and that we got to look a little harder to find those ways to concentrate is really, really important. The other thing we were talking about a little bit before this show is really Uh, relationships. And with acute trauma, we are uh, really upset around different aspects of attachment and relationships. So we're really struggling with those around us, either trying to get something from them, or frustrated they won't give it, or or not wanting to give to them. So Mm -hmm. relationships and attachment is really affected by trauma. And uh, this phase in the epidemic all these people that are calling, many are calling about relationship issues. So I think those points, knowing about concentration, increased difficulties with relationship, increased irritability on the part of all of us, those are trauma signs that we should be expecting among everyone really at this point in the epidemic. I think you brought up a great point too, which is that in like, really being able to define trauma in a more expanded way for our listeners. Because I know a lot of the times, especially in in like the news and stuff, when people are talking about trauma, they hear about it in the context of like war trauma. And they hear about it maybe in the context of, you know, sexual abuse and violence and things like that. And so I think one of the things that I've seen come up for my clients is their confusion about the symptoms that they're experiencing and not having a framework for themselves in which to understand what is going on, like their irritability, like their concentration. And so the the way that they're making sense of it is they're turning on themselves and saying, what's wrong with me that I personally cannot do these things? And I think it can be helpful for people to have a little bit more of an underpinning of how these are things that are affecting everybody in the community and are affecting people in different ways, right? So one of the things I see in terms of talking about attachment that you were saying is I see people's attachment styles being exaggerated or not exaggerated isn't the word I was looking for, exacerbated. And so people who, when they get stressed out, typically pull away a little bit are becoming incredibly like reclusive, even just emotionally and and not wanting to let people in. They put up kind of that wall. And then there are the people who 
seek reassurance from others when they feel distressed. And so when that's happening, they're finding they need a lot more reassurance. And when you get this combination, it obviously creates a lot of tension, right? And so I think that's another thing that people are having these experiences, but they're blaming themselves or they're blaming the other person instead of really looking at this other variable of like, we've all gone through this situation that it has really created a lot of internal and external stress around us and is activating these symptoms. And it's really, that's the piece that is creating this environment. And so it allows people to step away from blaming themselves or the other person and being able to look at it from a new perspective. I really like what you said about looking for reassurance and people, even if it's not forthcoming, people are out there trying to look for it. And that's a part of trauma Yeah, that people are really going to try. They, you know, to find it, to look for it. Once you've gotten past the point of, I can't do anything then people are out there trying to make the situation, which is a very difficult one, better. And one thing I'm puzzled over this week is um, uh, we've talked about politics before. There seem to be groups of politicians migrating to uh, the former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort. And everybody said, why are they going down there? You know, there's so many people. They don't have to go there. He's no longer the president. And you think about why is everybody in at least the Republican Party reaching out to him? But his figure had the the fact he was the former president, uh, the fact he has a lot of money, all of those things indicate sources of support. And many of the people that are going down there need support, as we all do at this point. Um, These are people who were in, many of them, in the House and the Senate when it was stormed on January 6th, and they are very traumatized, and they're out seeking support. You know, and and I kind of, that helped me when I finally saw that's why they're there. There's a reason. Maybe I believe he's not gonna give it to them, but they're looking for it. And the 10 people that called me this week, they are looking for support too. And it's because we're in an environment of trauma, struggling with burnout, that we're all out there. Maybe we're all on our special uh, pilgrimage to Mar-a-Lago. It's just a little different for all of us, Jen, with this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a that's a great way to, f- to frame it. I think helping people be able to understand this sort of safety seeking behavior is really important because it helps us make sense of something that otherwise just seems totally nonsensical at times. I I think the other the other piece of it is really looking at the way it infiltrates us in our day-to-day life, right? I think what makes this type of communal or societal trauma more challenging is that Typically, when you have people going through trauma, there are also people who are not going through trauma, and those people can become your resources, right? But when you have people who are all going through trauma, then the people who would provide that type of reassurance and resource are themselves taxed. And so you have people who are looking to maybe the same supports that they have turned to in the past therapists, doctors apparently Trump at Mar-a-Lago as well, right? But like 
people that represented a sense of reassurance and safety. And these people themselves are going through their own experience of having to manage their own overwhelm. And so they're not as available as they might have been in the past. And so I think there's also a lot of anger around the expectations that were set up when the conditions were very different and not recognizing how the 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 difference affects sort of what you can expect from other people. And I think we see this also on a systemic level where for me at least like I'm working with a lot of people who are teachers and they're talking about going back to the school and the expectations that are placed on them and that there is this pressure from sort of the higher ups to bring things back to what was normal when this is clearly not a normal situation and teachers themselves are traumatized, kids are traumatized, and the system is not shifting in accordance with where people are. And so it ends up creating more tension for people instead of providing a sense of support and stability. I think you're absolutely right that our systems are also uh, in burnout. And the system is overstressed. And we really see this with the widely in politics, the widely disparate. Here's the Biden plan. He's going to throw trillions of dollars at it, which everyone kind of looks at. But, you know, people are shell shocked. You know, we have PTSD and we really are not sure what's going to work in this situation. And it's hard to even muster some kind of argument or discussion back about it because we are so overwhelmed. But it is uh, it is a point where the system is in PTSD too. Uh, reminds me, I was a national disaster and trauma chair for children and adolescents on September 11th. And then I flew to New York and was involved in helping take care of the kids in the city and people there. And as many were, many were involved. And it was a really a group effort, but everybody there was traumatized. Everybody there was overwhelmed. You know, I remember my brother telling me that he had seen the victims jumping out of the Twin Towers when uh, that morning. And uh, just the amount of trauma that came up just talking with people casually. This is a similar situation. You know, this week we're dealing with all of the issues related to India and COVID. So these are very evocative and traumatizing images that we're all watching worldwide. And as you said, Jen, very few people are exempt. I was even realizing my little grandson, several kids in his class have gotten COVID and he's back mm. at his little class, but he he's a fighter in there. But he had drawn pictures a month ago of kids with COVID. So, you know, we've all or we're all going through this in some way. And I I think that's a great kind of transition to talking about what are some things we can do is I I think it's really important to find the balance between like helpful processing and like oversharing and reactivating some of these like scary things for you, right? And I think drawing is a wonderful way for people to process what is going on because it doesn't require them to maybe verbalize some things that they aren't yet ready to verbalize, but it also allows them to 
give form to something that they are holding inside of them. And I can't remember, but I feel like I've definitely talked about this on the podcast before, where when I was working with some kids who had been victims of the San Bruno fire, the kids that did the best in terms of their long-term outcomes and their sense of being able to like return to a sense of security and trust again, which is what is often broken when, when you experience trauma. It was the kids who drew the pictures that when you looked at them were really terrifying. You know, and, and I think that's an important thing for us to understand too, is that like when you do express these things, it's important to, to allow yourself the full expression of whatever it is that you're going through and to be able to interpret it through that lens, right? So a lot of the times when you're first expressing these things, it looks terrifying because that is what you experienced. And it's actually in being able to acknowledge how terrifying or how much of an impact something has been having on you that it it releases something that allows you to move on to the next step. And that's what I noticed was creating my burnout for a long time was that I had gotten into this kind of mental space of having to endure for so long that I wasn't being honest with myself about how much going through the pandemic as a therapist was impacting me on a personal level. And it wasn't until very recently, actually, that I sat down and really allowed myself to think about how much all of this has impacted me. And it was through that process and allowing myself to be really real about how much this has taxed me mentally, emotionally, in terms of relationships, all of the things everybody is dealing with, that I actually found my energy returning a little bit. And so I thought that was that was interesting and, and hopefully people can relate to that. And how that could work maybe on a, a practical level for our listeners is, you know, your point that we've got to acknowledge how dark it is for many of us when we can't get out of bed for a couple of days in a row or we're having images that are very negative we can't put aside you know, we really have to acknowledge how bad this is. Mm -hmm. And for many of us with COVID, there had been some very bad things that we're grappling with. You know, I was thinking about it, uh, little Jamie's pictures were these kids being sick and, and different things happening at school. And he and I learned the word sad. You know, he, he wrote the word sad because sad is a new word that talks about how he was feeling. And yeah. he is very little. And I think we have to learn those words and feelings that we're really having through this. It's overwhelming. You know, we can't solve all these problems. We've got to know where we're at and we've got to recognize and be able to articulate how bad it is for each of us, really. Yeah, I saw this post that um, someone had put on my Facebook wall about like thanking therapists for everything they had done through the pandemic in terms of really recognizing, you know, that therapy as a job is naturally part of a, the caring profession. And so the idea of having to figure out how to care for yourself as you're caring for other people through the thing that they are experiencing 
at the same time that you're experiencing it. I think this is a very unique thing in that as a therapist, like I have not ever had to provide care on something that was exactly what I was going through at the same time. And I think it's been a learning experience for sure, right? And and I think that brings me back to why I think it's really important that we look at burnout through this lens of trauma and being able to be kind and compassionate with ourselves about where we are and being realistic about our limitations so that we can shift our focus to whatever it is that we are capable of in the moment in the day to day instead of the pattern that i see with so many people is when you don't have this framework you end up devoting a lot of energy to criticizing yourself making yourself feel worse taking on perspectives where you feel helpless which ends up leading you feeling more trapped and hopeless and defeated and i think you know all of this is natural but also being able to see it as part of a bigger picture helps you kind of keep going step by step. So putting it simply, we can all engage in self-talk, really, to help ourselves to know our limits and to really talk to ourselves through this. You know, so we know the limits of what we're really up against and we talk to ourselves in the healthiest way we can and not put ourselves down for this because this is a universal experience right now. And I agree with you. I think the my, myself, part of the issue before I got to Jamie this week was I was putting too much burden on myself, the wrong kind of self-talk there. And you have to reverse it and turn it around and know this is what will help you. Yeah. And I, I think you bring up a great point in terms of recognizing it for yourself, right? Like I'm, I may be sounding calm talking about this now, but it, it's through my own experience of getting trapped in the dark spaces and feeling hopeless and despairing and then recognizing the tools, reminding myself of the tools that I teach others and putting them into practice. And so I, I think it's really important to remind yourself that wherever you are, you know, you have what it takes to figure this out, whether that be reaching out to someone, whether it be doing something for yourself. But if you can remind yourself of that fact, then all you have to do is figure out the next step. Uh, before we close, I think one last thing, you know, we've been talking about how we have too many clients calling in and they now say one out of 10 American uh, adults is in therapy, which is the highest it's ever been. This is not a bad thing, Jen. I mean, maybe we're overwhelmed, but we should celebrate that so many people are calling, that they recognize that they need the help. You know, I think it's a really good thing. So maybe on that note, we stop on burnout, but we try to figure out ways that we can accommodate and change the system to really have all those people listening and talking with each other. I agree. Well put, Lynn. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Come on. Let's